0: Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you use your money to do more of what matters. You're listening to episode number 69.
1: And today's episode is sponsored by Ahead in 100. This is uh, this is our group coaching program. It's a 100-day program where we help you if you're feeling behind with your money, if you're feeling like you're not actually using your money to do what matters to you, like what we talk about on this podcast all the time. It's a program where we help you get ahead with your money and actually start using it in a way to do more of the things that you care about doing. We work through the three steps that we're going to be talking about in today's episode, Track, Plan, Spend, in a community format, and we have live calls every week to help you along the way. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, we would love for you to check it out. Just go to aheadin100.com to learn more.
0: Yeah, so today we're actually talking about the framework that you use in Ahead in 100 and that's our Track, Plan, Spend framework.
1: Yeah, and it's it's something that we've been developing for a few years now. we If you've listened to this podcast for more than a year, we actually did an episode similar to what we're going to talk about today um, about a year ago. Where we talked through uh, a five step framework called the dream uh, framework.
0: I don't know why, because I know it's like it's different, but it always makes me think of that SpongeBob episode, the imagination SpongeBob episode. I
1: don't think I've seen that one.
0: Imagination. Whenever we talk about like the dream budget, I'm always like, dream budget. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen that. And I haven't seen every that. Every single time they say imagination, they do like their hands their hand waving across the sky like that, and there's a rainbow that comes out. Like, imagine. Yeah, it's a thing. We should have done that. I know. Dream budget.
1: So so anyways, we we that's the framework we used to use is this uh, five steps. And ultimately, this year, we felt like it was too confusing and a little bit convoluted. And Hannah and I have worked hard this year to refine that and make it a little bit more streamlined. And that's what we've been coaching in our program for, uh, what, five months now, something like that. And we just thought we would do a deep dive today on these three steps – track, plan, spend. And the idea is that no matter where you're at with your money, if you're just getting started, if you're fresh out of college, or if you're retired, or if anywhere in between, you can use these three steps, no matter where you're at in your journey, to help you better use your money to hit your goals and do the things that you care about.
0: Yeah, and like age-wise, it doesn't matter. And also, whether you're paycheck to paycheck, or you've got $10,000 sitting in the bank that you don't know what to do with or whatever, you can use it all along the way as far as that's totally. concerned too.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't really, um, the framework works no matter how much money you're making and no matter where you're at in the process.
0: All right, let's dive right into track.
1: So with tracking, this is, uh, this is exactly what it sounds like. This is getting a handle on what is currently happening with your money. I always like to use a, a road trip analogy and Hannah always gives me a hard time because I evidently say the analogy slightly different every single time. He does. Well, basically it goes like this. If you're going to go on a road trip and you walk out to your car and you turn your phone on airplane mode so that your GPS doesn't even you know know where you're currently at and you just start driving, what are the odds of you actually getting to where you think you're trying to go? Pretty slim. And all we're trying to do in this first step is turn your GPS on financially. We're just trying to figure out where you're currently located. How much money you are making? How much money are you spending? What's going on at your current location?
0: That's it. Yeah, and I do think that's such a good point because you can know where you want to go all day long, but if you don't take the time to figure out where you're at, like, you can't figure out the steps in between here and there.
1: Totally. And it's also one of those things where it's counterintuitive to say this because you think you know where you're at. but oftentimes you actually don't. Like one of the first things that I do whenever I'm working with somebody is we'll set up their budget categories with all their bills and then all their discretionary spending, groceries and Amazon and fund spending and whatever. And I'll have them set up basically what they think they're spending per month. Now the bills, they get they can get pretty right. They can look those up or they know roughly what they are and they can they can nail those pretty close. But with things that are discretionary, like groceries or how much they spend on their pets or how much they eat out, They will guess something, and I have them do this exercise in part because then when they track it, it only takes about a week before we realize, ooh, I was pretty far off (laughs) with what I thought that I was doing. And it sort of brings to light this point that the vast majority of your spending decisions that you're making on a day-to-day basis, you're not consciously thinking about those. You are acting out of habit, and you don't really know how much you're doing, unless you are tracking it.
0: Well, and it's it's so much like our eating, right? Like if you if you guess how many calories you eat in a day, you know, you pretty much always way underestimate totally. it, and it's just the same with your spending. Like it doesn't feel like you're spending that much. So yeah, this step is really really eye-opening, and I think like this has been a huge thing for me as we've like worked on managing our money together because until we really started doing this and I started seeing like just how much, you know, little impulse purchases could add up. You know, I just always felt like what's it's not that big of a problem. Like, you know, what's what's the point? Like it's not that much money. Yep. But when you see it all laid out in front of you, you realize like, Oh, that actually is like an impactful amount of money if I wanna take that and redirect it to these things that are more meaningful to me.
1: A lot of this stuff is just being Aware of what's going on. Like, I'll get questions from parents a lot of the time saying, Hey, I want to kind of expose my kids a little bit more to, you know, teaching them some of the stuff. What do you recommend? And the first step for me is always just awareness. Like, even if you're paying for your college kid or your high school kid or whoever for their stuff, if you're buying their clothes, if you're buying their food, if you're buying stuff for them, I'm cool with that. That's fine. Um, But give them the card or transfer them the money. And then make them use the card and watch the account and just start exposing them to like, hey, here's how much you eat, right? Here's how much it costs when you do stuff. Because if you're not paying close attention to it, you just have no idea.
0: Yeah. I think tracking really primes you to like make changes too. Like like in this step, we're not focused on changing your spending, but- when you start tracking, you'll notice little things that you don't like. Like it makes you cringe when you see how much you spend on eating out or going to the movies or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of your cue like, oh, I'm spending more on this than I actually value it. So maybe I need to, to reassess and reallocate things here. Yeah. So it makes that process a lot less painful because you want to do it. You're you're getting more clear on how you want to spend your money and how you can make that happen. And yeah, it does require some sacrifices, but it's to achieve things that are ultimately more important to you. So it makes that process a lot less painful and restrictive feeling.
1: Yeah. I think the natural tendency when you're when you decide like that's it I'm making a change with I with my money is to start cutting all of this stuff yes. and to start trying to go super hardcore yep. and say I'm not I'm not going to eat out I'm not buying this anymore I'm canceling all my subscriptions I'm doing you know this massive purge and while that probably works for some people, the vast majority of us, that's just going to be frustrating. And then we're going to hit a wall and we're just going to, you know, basically relapse right back and not make any changes or any forward momentum. So really the the first step is all about tracking without changes. Yeah. I don't want you to change anything when you're first, if you're going from, I don't track at all to now I'm trying to track, don't make a single change for like two months. Just yeah. get your baseline of what you actually are doing. And slowly over time, you will start to make shifts and changes when you're ready.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the practical side of tracking.
1: Yeah, so I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this at the t- in this episode because we're going to do an episode next week, kind of deeper diving into deeper what? diving, deeper diving, diving deeper <laughs> <laughs> into uh, into like what method, if you will, of budgeting or tracking tool you want to use, but. Basically, all you need to do is pick a method for how you're going to track your spending. One super simple way would just be to put all of your spending into one account that actually gives you some decent reports. I mean, a lot of banks these days, like Ally Bank and Chase, will spit out a pie chart at the end of the month. And so if you ran all of your spending through your checking account there, you don't even need a budgeting tool if you're just trying to track so you don't have to do anything crazy but if you do want to use a tool because you spend across a bunch of different accounts you do need to aggregate that data so something like mint.com or you need a budget.com or cube or every dollar or personal capital or a pencil and piece of paper or an excel spreadsheet doesn't really matter but you want to try and find something that you feel confident you can stick with that can give you that data every single month of what you're doing And maybe the most important is finding something that if you're married, you and your spouse are both like aligned
0: with. Yeah, totally.
1: So that's really it. You just need to find some sort of tool, set up a very basic system that has five to 20 categories to categorize your spending and get that thing running in the background so that a month or two from now, you have really good data for what's going on.
0: So once you get that system set up for tracking and you can kind of have that running in the background, then you're ready to get into planning and like really figuring out what you want the future to look like and what you want your financial situation and life in general to look like in the future.
1: Totally. Yeah, the, the planning section, for going back to our little um, road trip analogy, if tracking is telling you where you're currently located, planning is getting really clear on that destination. And this is more than just, you know if you're traveling in the US, the state that you're going to, right? If we're leaving Alabama and we're trying to go to Idaho, it's more than just saying Idaho. It's trying to actually put in the specific address we're trying to make it to. It's getting very clear on the destination that we're trying to go to.
0: Yeah. And the, the more clear you can get on that, the, the more things are going to fall in line and you're going to feel, you're not going to feel like it's a painful process to like get your money under control and actually start using your money on the things that are important because when you have that why at the front of your mind, you know, it's just, it's just like with dieting, if you, if you just jump right into a diet by saying like, okay, I'm not going to eat any carbs or any sugar or any of this, but you don't think about any of the reasons, like why, why are you trying so hard to lose weight in the first place? Like, is it so that you can play with your grandkids 10 years from now and, um, you know, still be living independently and all of these things that are like way more important than losing 10 pounds or losing 20 pounds or whatever. Um, those are the things that are going to keep you motivated because otherwise without those, if you just start imposing all these restrictions on yourself, then you're just going to be on this like steady flow of yo-yo diets forever into eternity. And you're never going to actually accomplish anything. And we do that exact same thing with our money if we don't get clear on that vision.
1: Yeah, a lot of the time, the the why for people initially is, I'm just stressed out about it, and I'd like to feel not so stressed out about money. And while that's maybe a strong enough why for most people, or for some people, it's not going to be strong enough, like you said, to actually keep you motivated when it does get tough. You've got to have something much deeper and much more tangible, I well, think. Well,
0: feelings are such a tricky thing. Yes. Because... You know, you can say um, I'm feeling stressed out about my money, and it makes me feel better to go shopping. Yeah, and it might make you feel better in the moment, but then it makes you feel more stressed about your money like, down the road after the fact. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the the whole feeling you got to be
1: careful uh, letting letting the feelings drive your your big decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so they change so much. Mm-hmm. So as far as the the planning section is concerned, tactically you have basically three parts to this. And the first part is the big picture. It's the vision. It's why we used to call this a dream framework because the idea here is you're dreaming in this section and you're just trying to figure out what do you want your life to look like? What do you want your days to look like? What do you want your weeks to look like down the road? Typically Hannah and I do this in a few different you know years. But the reason that this is so important is if I say, hey, do you know what you want your future to look like? Most people will will say, well, yeah, of course, you know, or, or, yeah, you know, I got some ideas, but very few people have actually taken the time to sit down and get very clear on this and write it out in a way that they're actually forced to sort of look at the story that I always like to use is this little story from Alice in Wonderland where Alice is lost in the woods. And she comes across the uh, the Cheshire cat and she asks him and says, hey, you know, would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here? And the cat responds and says, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And Alice says, oh, I don't much care where. And the cat responds and says, well, then it doesn't much matter which way you go. And I think that that is unfortunately how most people are living their life is they, they haven't really sat down to think about where it is they want to go. And if that's true, then it doesn't really matter what they do with their money.
0: Yeah. And something that kind of, I guess, just takes that a step further is that Michael Hyatt quote. um, What is it? You wouldn't drift to somewhere that you would have previously chosen. Totally. Yeah, that's it. I think, and this is, again, like the stage of life that we're in, the, the reason that we see this so much. But I feel like I've been exposed to a lot of people who are, they're having kids right now. And all of a sudden, their lifestyle and and their um, family structure, I guess, is not where they actually want it to be. But it's because five years ago they didn't think about it. And so what I mean by that is like now they have a kid or two, and they really want like one parent to be able to stay home full time, but they're not in a spot where that can happen. And and both parents are having to work. And like, they're really unhappy with with that situation that they're in. And there's all of these different elements of their life that are contributing to make it to where they can't get that baseline structure where they want it to be. This is so powerful, because like, if you if you can just start thinking this way, you can make those those changes, you know, so like maybe when you first get married, like you live super cheaply with two incomes and you save really hardcore so that six years from now when you do have kids, you've got a whole stash of savings back here that you can afford to pull from for five years until your kid goes to kindergarten or whatever so that you can be a one income household. You know, like there's just ways to think through situations to do them in the way that you want to do them
1: well i think what you're hitting at is yes let's let's not act like 100 percent of life is predictable there are things that happen that are absolutely unpredictable that can throw people off track and major things whatever we're not talking about that the bulk of your life is somewhat predictable you can you can kind of think through and go like hmm we'd like to have a kid at some point in the future what would we like our life to look like when we have kids? Okay, that's interesting. Um well, what about after that? What about when the kids are gone? What would we like our life to look like? Even if you're, you know, not married. Oh, I'd like to be married. What would I like my life to look like when I'm married? Right? You can you can play these things out, but the reality is most people don't want to take the time to think about them because it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's more comfortable the path of least resistance is to just drift and, and to allow and that.
0: Yeah, it can be really scary. Totally.
1: If you both make about the same amount of money,
0: then you're cutting it's it It's really tough to, yeah. to,
1: to, to let one person stay home because you're taking a 50% pay cut.
0: Yeah. And so like on the surface, you might look at that and go like, oh, we can never do that. And it's like, that's not true. Like you can plan for this and like figure out a way to do it. You know, it's the polypant. You can do anything, just not everything. Yes. So like, yeah, it might take some major sacrifices for the next few years to get to a spot where you feel like you can do that. I guess it's just... Um, empowering yourself really to feel like, yeah, this isn't my control. And if, if this is something that's really important, important to me, like I can work towards it and I can make that happen. 100%. Whether it's um, like how you want things to look while you're starting a family or in retirement or whatever, to me, this is a, a fun step, and I think some people can get discouraged by yeah, it.
1: I, th- I think it it can be really discouraging because you want to write down all these dreams or these visions about where you want to go, and it can feel like, yeah, but how am I ever going to make that happen? Back to what you said, that's not really the point of this step. If we think about our Michael Hayek quote, most people are drifting. We're trying to get you to pick the place, right? You don't want to drift because you're not going to end up in a place you would have previously chosen, so... Let's choose that place. Where would you choose? Where would you choose? And the idea here is that you kind of want to wave your magic wand and say, if money wasn't an issue, what what do you want your life to be? What would you love for your life to be like?
0: Don't beat yourself down in this step. Totally. That's not the point. Don't come up with things and go like, I'm not even going to write that down. Like, that's not possible.
1: Well, and it's like when we, so we've been together now. We started dating in 2012. So we're coming up on 10 years. And right around the time that we started dating, I was, you know, close-ish. I was in my, my latter part of college and you were going into grad school. And during that time, I remember asking friends and you and me and like, if you could do anything and you didn't have to, I forget how I phrased it, but like, if you, if you could do anything for a living, you had to do it 40 hours a week, but like that job doesn't necessarily have to make that amount of money, but if you could do anything, but the job made you enough money to live the life that you want to live, what would you choose to do? Even if that job doesn't technically make that much. And it was interesting because the va- I remember me and you and the vast majority of our friends would answer things that were different than the degrees that they were getting. Yeah. Is what it came down to. Mm-hmm. And that question felt, I think, stupid to a lot of my friends at the time because it felt like, yeah, but that's unrealistic. So why are we even playing this game? Yeah. And... I just felt like fundamentally that it was important to dream about those things because maybe if we dreamt about it enough, and we thought about it enough, and planned about it enough, we could actually figure out a way to make something like that happen. Maybe not that exact thing, but something like that.
0: Yeah, I feel like we're kind of going on a vision tangent, but
1: it's the most important step. So it is, to, but but but, and to, I think
0: it's the hardest one for a lot of people.
1: Yes, it is. It is. So to give you something practical, right, rather than just create a vision. The way that Hannah and I typically do this is we have a simple Google Doc with, you know, years. So January 2022, January 2025, January 2030. We'll typically do like one, three, five, ten 10 years out. And under ETH, uh, under ETH, each one of those years, we have a few bullet points roughly broken up into the groups, family, life, and finances. And under each one of those, we have some almost just like milestones. What are some things we'd like to accomplish? What are some... Habits we want to have built? What are some hobbies we want to have pursued?
0: Well, and as we've refined it, we've kind of gotten more detailed with it too, down to things like how many hours per week do we want both of us to be working? Where do
1: we want to have traveled? Yeah. What do we want our family to look like? Where do we want to be living? Mm -hmm. You're just asking questions about your day to day life and you're trying to allow yourself to dream a little bit. One of the stats that I used to share a lot when I was first talking about this was the average kid under the age of like seven asks somewhere between 100 to 200 questions a day. And if you're a parent of a young kid, you probably get a lot of those questions. (laughs) But by the time you're like 21, the average person is asking something like seven questions a day. Now, granted, when you're a young kid, you just don't know very much. So you got to ask a lot of questions. I get that. But there's something along the way that sort of Squashes our curiosity. And what we're trying to do with this step is to allow yourself to tap into your childlike curiosity and to dream a little bit. When you ask a little kid what they want to be when they grow up, they don't tell you, I want to sit in a cubicle and, you know, file TPS reports.
0: Well, I think the older we get, the easier it is to feel like, well, I mean, our, our life is just already mapped out for us. Yep. Like we've made these certain choices in the past. And so, now the future looks like this. Like I, there's nothing to think about. And that's just not true. Like, you know, it, that's not true unless you want it to be. You can always change things. You can always do things differently.
1: Well, it's, it's very much that Mary Laura Philpott quote, right? You can just change things. Yeah. Who knew? Yep. So from a practical standpoint, you want to ask these questions. You want to set out, you know, these these dates, January 2022, January 2025, January 2030. And we just do a very simple bullet point. You know, thing. One other way to think about this is using something called the island test.
0: I don't really know if it's actually called that. I just typed it in that way. Wow. And I can't remember who. I heard somebody on a podcast talking about this, and I can't remember who. So I'm sorry, whoever said it. <laughs> but <laughs> they were talking about what, like, when they're thinking about what their family is working towards um, and what their vision is for the future, that they really try to think about it from this perspective of, okay, what if our family lived on a deserted island and there was nobody there that we were trying to keep up with and there was nobody there that we were worried about judging our choices or thinking this or that about us What are the things that our family would be choosing to work towards? What would be the things that were important to us? And then they try really hard to let those be the things that they actually work towards. Yeah, Yeah. because, I mean, it's so easy to try to keep up with the Joneses and get worried about what so-and-so thinks about you and let that impact how you choose to spend your money and how you choose to do this or that. And um, it's hard to filter that out. So I really liked I really liked the, the island test, as I've named it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great test.
1: And, you know, just to share maybe a couple things off of ours, just to give you some some practical things, right? Y'all, off of our vision. Off of our vision, yeah. yeah, off of our vision document. So, you know, if you've been following the podcast for a long time, then you know that for a little while we were traveling in an Airstream and living in an RV. And part of our vision was to one day buy a house that we would work on. And we've done that. But guess what? Uh, the timeline for renovations, we change. And so one <laughs> of the things I wanted to point out about this vision statement is that we move things in it. We regularly come back to this document and go, you know what? Uh, We had said that by January 2022, we would have completed this, 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 and this with our house renovations. That's cute. And uh, in reality, we just changed that bullet point to say, continuing working on the house renovations in January 2022, and then moving that out.
0: As a side note, anybody curious about house videos, we're gathering footage for them. We are. It, but just time.
1: One of these days videos, we're gonna post. Videos
0: them. take time and projects take time. And so we are gathering footage and we someday have. there will be a video of some things that we're <laughs> we're doing. <laughs> we
1: have many hours of footage. Yeah. So but you know, so so like mapping things out, let's jump down to like January twenty twenty eight. We have a few things here. It's not nearly as much as some of the stuff we have under 2025. There's only a handful of bullet points. But some of the things on this timeline would be like be living uh, close to family, be traveling every other month to visit family, have a handful of rental properties that is helping us build our long-term wealth, um, maintaining a number of daily habits related to working out and staying healthy. And hopefully by 2028, the renovations on this current (laughs) home are finished. Uh, Or we're moving to another house that would be like our long term, uh, long term house. So those are a number of things that are bullet points. It's very simple. The key with this step is to not overthink it. I think so many people, when I say go create a vision, they think that I'm telling them to like, write out this like 10 page paper about what they want their life to be. And it's recognizing that your life and your vision is going to change. So just get your get a, a few bullet points down for what you think you'd like to do and then know that you will revisit this.
0: Yeah, and really the most important outcome of this exercise is just that you're thinking about it. Totally. Um, because most people just don't. Like we said, most people drift and they never stop to like think about this. So just by getting it on your radar and keeping it on your radar – you're, you're already ahead of the game. Just keep thinking on it and keep revising it and that's, that's how it should be. You shouldn't sit down and get this all perfect. So don't get caught up in perfectionism when you're doing this.
1: The last thing I would say about this, this part is if you are budgeting with somebody else, if you're working on this with a spouse and you're having a hard time getting on the same page as them.
0: This is the most important This part.
1: is the most important step. You can forget every single thing In this episode, except for this step, because if you can get this step figured out, where y'all are both creating a vision for the future that you both want, the other stuff will start to fall into place. If you can't get this step figured out, then the other stuff won't even really matter. Yeah. Because getting on the same page about the direction of your life is the most important thing. And that's where I would encourage anybody, like if you're listening to this and you're the one who's, you know, wanting to change with your money and wanting to do better and wanting to improve and all this stuff and you're having a hard time getting them on board, then you need to be the one to have a lot of empathy and sort of extend that olive branch first and try to put yourself in their shoes. And when you start thinking about the vision and you try to get them to maybe talk to you about that vision, I want you to be the one to think about what you know that they would be super pumped up about if y'all were able to achieve it and make sure you put that on the list. Maybe even put it on there first and be like, hey, this is one of the things I think we should do. And knowing that that's something that they're going to be really excited about, if they can see that you have empathy for what they want to do and that you want to use y'all's money to do that stuff, that's going to increase the likelihood that they will then reciprocate.
0: Yeah, well, I have talked about this before. But Chip and Joanna Gaines talking about um, when they made the transition from pulling on opposite ends of the rope, they use that whole tug of war analogy, they made the transition from pulling on opposite sides of the rope to like both getting on the same side and pulling on the, the rope of life together <laughs> and just like, you know, how much easier it is when you're not pulling against each other. This is how you get to that point, like yeah. where you're both on the same side of the rope and you're both pulling together. And it is so much more fun. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but like when you can get this dialed in and you can get on the same space, the same page, <laughs> the same page with your spouse, it feels like you have a cheat code for life. I mean, it's, it's like having a cheat code for everything else because everything else is just so much easier. And, um, I don't know, this is just so important. How many times can I say this is so important? I keep saying (laughs) that, but it really is. And you know, it sounds so silly, but where this started for us was like talking about a dog and really having those conversations around like, okay, like you really want to get a dog and, I, Hannah, really wanted to get a dog. Nick was really stressed out about money and just felt like we didn't have a good handle on like our daily spending and, you know, whatever. And I was coming at it from this perspective of like, we're not in debt. You know, we're like saving some money. Like, what what are you Things so stressed out about? Like yeah. we're, we're fine. Why are you making this so miserable? And, you know, Nick was really coming at it from a very good and kind place of like hey i know that there's these things in the future that we want and those things getting there that starts now and you have that long-term mindset and um i think a lot of us don't have that as much and so this this is kind of how you how you start thinking long-term and um maybe if you're married, one of you in the relationship is more long-term thinker. But maybe you're both kind of short-term thinkers. Um, and that's okay. You just kind of have to readjust and and start getting that long-term. Focus so that you can achieve those things that are bigger and more important.
1: There's a reason that in this part of the process, I don't actually want you trying to make a life plan for retirement unless retirement is within that three to five year period. Because for the vast majority of people, this is like this is sort of my sneaky Trojan horse step, if you will, for people. Because if I can get you to think about a goal that you'd be really excited about achieving in two years. Like maybe there's this dream vacation that you've always wanted to take or getting a dog or moving or whatever, and you can get super pumped up about it, set a goal, get on your sort of, you know, get your tracking going and actually start making moves in your finances and then hit that goal. When you hit that, you will start to believe that you actually do have what it takes to create a vision and then make it happen financially. And when that happens that first time, then all of a sudden, your mindset for the long term starts opening up even more. Yeah. And so what happens is we start with one, three, and five years, and we create a vision, and you do all that. And then, spoiler alert, when you actually achieve that in one, three, five years, now all of a sudden, we can start having a much bigger and deeper and more important conversation about retirement. You're going to be much more, most people are going to be much more open to that, And you can start thinking even more long term, but we don't start there for most people.
0: But like as a couple for us, like the vision is is kind of what opened my eyes to like, oh, okay, if we sit down and have these conversations about money and we decide how we want to spend our money ahead of time and I, you know, am willing to like put in my receipts for YNAB and, you know, pay attention to my guilt-free spending money and all of these things. A, it's way more fun for me because like w- there's no tension between us with money. And then also like we can get really excited about things together in the short term because we know that like we're, we're setting aside money at the rate that we need to to be achieving those things in the future too. So we know that like the fun that we're having in the present isn't taking away from those goals that we've set in the future. Like we're taking care of those in the present too. Because I think, I think before, before we did this, you know, it felt like you were like the party pooper. Well,
1: and and there was nothing tangible about it. That's kind of what I was trying to say with the retirement thing. Yeah. Is because if I was like, Hey, we're not saving enough in our retirement account. You're like, okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's, we're 22 years old. Yeah. You know, who cares? Uh, and it wasn't necessarily that you were like, who cares? But it's just not tangible. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's it, hard.
0: It's hard for that to be the thing that unites you, I guess.
1: Totally. Yeah. You're very rarely going to get united about something like that. Yeah. But if it's something that the two of you were or, or certainly one of you really wants and the other one is like somewhat interested in and, and you can use that as a, a thing to pull you together all the other stuff starts to fall
0: into place yeah you know when we first started talking about a dog it kind of felt, it felt like okay i really want a dog and like you don't want the extra monthly expense and so we're kind of like butting heads yeah over we're that. at odds yeah. yeah and it's like okay no we're really not we just have to like talk communicate clearly about what we're working towards and like actually start taking action on those things and managing our money in a way that reflects those things that we say are important. And if we do that, then we can work having a dog into the monthly budget and totally. you can be just as excited about it as I am because it's not putting our future at risk, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And so that was the big transition that that happened for us. Yeah, And then we just repeated it with moving into the airstream leaving traditional jobs um you know
1: getting another dog
0: (laughs) yeah the dog thing continued a couple times uh (laughs) plus some cats in there and then um and then you know buying a house in the location that we are like you know it was always a dream to live close to the beach and so like living where we live felt like a big like kind of dream come true moment. totally
1: totally so that's 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 the vision, right? That's part one of planning. The second part of planning, we won't necessarily spend nearly as much time on. It is something we talked a lot about in episode 57, and it really comes down to the underlying values and having a conversation about what is the thing behind the thing in terms of when you're making a purchase. We've talked about this a lot, but
0: I think the best like most concise example is just like when you go drive through McDonald's and you pick up dinner for your family. Like are you is it actually food that you're buying? I mean like yes, you are buying food, but what's the value that you're getting? It's convenience yep. and it's like not having to go home and cook and not having to go home and clean dishes. Yep. Um and so like recognizing okay, like, is that what I'm optimizing for right now? Do I actually want to take out of the budget to pay for those conveniences? Or do I want to go home and cook a quick meal? And you know what I'm saying? And
1: and the point with this exercise is not to demonize any specific value. If you might say, you know what? Yeah, convenience is actually like a super high priority of yeah, mine. Yeah, you totally might. And so, okay, great. Like, pay for convenience. But the idea with this is to get in the habit of looking at your purchases with this idea of underlying values and going in with your eyes wide open. The idea with this with this step is getting really clear on what values are important to you. If you looked at all of your purchases for a month and you asked yourself, what's the thing that I'm actually buying here? Is it relationships? Is it convenience? Whatever. And you had to rank order those values what are some of the things that you consistently would say these are my top priorities these are my values that's where i want to spend money that's really what it comes down to is you got to be honest with yourself about what you're actually buying and then decide is that worth it to me and that that kind of brings us to you know, part number three of plan right so i know we spend a lot of time in this planning section but it's because the planning section is the most important right so step number one we're tracking step two we're planning inside the plan we're coming up with our vision we're coming up with our values. And then the third part of planning is setting specific goals, setting hyper-focused steps for what you can do today. The idea is, hey, look, now you have your vision. You wrote down what you want to do in the next one, three, five, 10 years. We have on our vision to complete our house renovations by January, 2028. What can we do in the next couple of weeks? What's our quarterly goal for actually moving forward towards that vision? For us, we think about this, uh, a lot of this comes from from Michael Hyatt and the goal-setting stuff that I learned from him years ago.
0: And James Clear.
1: And James Clear, yep, in his book, Atomic Habits. And we, we typically think about these in um, habit goals and achievement goals.
0: And we try to focus more on habit goals. Totally.
1: So a, a habit goal is what are you doing daily, weekly, monthly, a set routine to move you towards whatever it is you're trying to improve.
0: Yeah, this is your. Um, I am going to look at YNAB and um, reconcile. Yeah,
1: categorize my spending every day, every day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This is I'm going to invest hundred dollars every paycheck. This is some sort of regular set habit routine.
0: And the great thing about habit goals is that um, you get to win every single time you you do them. Yep. And so it makes makes the journey more enjoyable
1: we just work so much better in these sort of small steps. It can be really overwhelming to try and tackle a big thing, even like these house renovation projects, right? We've been working on the guest bathroom for a few months now, and it's really overwhelming, I think, if we try to go like this is the this is the absolute day we have to be done with the guest bathroom versus it's much easier and much more manageable to say, all right, what are we doing this week on the guest bathroom? Yeah. We're going to, oh, we're going to cut the wood for the cabinets. Great. Yeah. Like That's what we're doing this week. We haven't
0: just been working on the bathroom. We've had other projects. Oh, I know. Moment. I
1: just meant that was, that's one of the projects that's been going on. Yeah. We've been is. working. We're in the middle We've of like We've broken six the cardinal projects. rule
0: of focusing on one project at a time. Yes. And we're, we're paying for it. <laughs> we're in the middle severely. of
1: way too many. But, so. but my point is like breaking it down into a, a more tangible sort of um, what can I do right now question That's really all we're trying to get at for this step. And and the point that I want to drive home here is that this whole process, track, plan, spend, the whole thing is repeatable and should be repeated. And that's why that we don't try and set goals for all year long. So when we're sitting down and we're thinking through, okay, it's January 2022. What is our Q1 goal, Q2 goal, Q3? We don't do that because life changes. We have a general vision for the direction we want our life to go. And then we say, okay, what are we going to do in the first quarter? What are we going to do over the next couple of months? Yeah, We set that goal and then we put a date on the calendar to have a meeting in three months to revisit this because in all likelihood, things might change and then we'll adjust accordingly.
0: We're going to transition now into that third and final piece of, of the track plan spin. So now we're going to talk about spending and, but it ties in perfectly with what we're just talking about. And like, how can you enjoy the journey of getting to those big vision things that you've laid out? And that is why we harp on conscious spending and, you know, tracking your money and figuring out where you are and then figuring out where you want to be. And then, coming in and fine tuning ahead of time and deciding like, okay, I was spending my money in this way, but I'm really not happy with that. So now I want to plan ahead of time to be spending it in this way, because this is how I actually enjoy spending my money. And so when you consciously spend, like you can spend the same or less money and get more enjoyment out of it because you're really dialing in mm-hmm. to, to those values that are most important to you and like, okay, how can I get those on this budget?
1: That's a perfect transition because the last step is, okay, you know what you're doing. We're tracking. You know where you want to go. You know what's important to you. You've mapped it out. Are you actually spending your money in a way that aligns with what you've said is important to you? Like, that's it. It's, you said, you wrote it down, said, this is my top value. These are where I want to go. This is what I want to do. Great. Are you actually spending your money in a way that's going to help you do that? Or are you spending your money in a way that's going to hold you back from doing that? That's it. And to your point, what's cool is that when you do it in this order, all of a sudden, quote, budgeting, where you're cutting back on stuff, doesn't feel restrictive. It doesn't feel like you're not having fun. Back to our, you know, dog dog sort of example of me and you getting on the same page to get Scout. When I sat down and was like, hey, I kind of was doing a little bit of research. And I think that a dog might cost us about this much in food and about this much for vet bills. And we'll probably spend this much at the beginning on like immunizations and spaying and crate and toys and stuff. So here's what we kind of need to save, and then here's what we need per month. Can we maybe talk about what we might be willing to trade off to make that happen? All of a sudden, it doesn't feel like cutting back to you. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, oh, Nick said I can't have fun, or the budget says I can't have fun. It feels like, no, getting a dog is like exactly what I want to do, and I am just making a decision that that's important. And I'm going to spend my money there. And I'm willing to say no to this stuff over here so I can say yes to my dog.
0: Yeah. Whereas like I think a lot of us convince ourselves that like whatever those bigger things are, they're just impossible. So we're just like not even going to try for those. And we're just going to settle for like mindlessly spending our money in these like little adrenaline hits that we get from like impulse spending.
1: I do think it's important from a tactical example that you might might come up against a place where you say... You know, I did the exercise. I, I mapped out my vision and my values. I compared it to what I was spending. I made a few tweaks. I maybe canceled this subscription here and cut back a little bit there. And and I did make some changes. So I, I do feel like I'm spending more in line with my values. But the reality is I just don't make enough money to hit this vision that I have five years from now. And you might find that. Uh, we certainly found that. Yeah. And that's certainly true even today. We don't make enough money today for the vision we have 10 years from now, but we're working on that. And so that's part of the vision too. I, I do want to say that it is not just about cutting back. Yeah, This process is about both sides of the equation. Most people tend to focus on just super frugality or just making a ton of money. The problem is if you only focus on one without the other, you hit a dead end pretty quickly. Because no matter how much money you make, you can you still can always spend that. Outspend. <laughs> you can still spend that. Yeah. Just ask uh, billionaires that went went broke. At the same time, you can't just cut back. There is a point where you have to eat, right? And you have to live indoors. There's a point where you can you can't cut anymore. And you do need to make more money.
0: Or or there's a point where like your quality of life is suffering significantly totally. if you continue to, totally. to cut. And so then it's like, okay, well, is it worth being well, miserable that, every day? That starts
1: infringing on your values. Yeah. There's a point where cutting back starts infringing on your values. Yep. And that's not worth it to you either. And so this exercise is a really clear way for you to recognize, okay, uh, Either I do make enough money, I just need to shift how I'm spending it, or I don't make enough money and I also need to shift how I'm spending it. And you can then start to brainstorm and say, okay, as part of my goal setting, I'm gonna shift the spending, cut this, do that, so that I can spend more on my values, And also, I'm going to start brainstorming ways to try and increase my income so that I can achieve that vision five years from now.
0: Yeah, and we want to encourage everybody here, like none of this stuff happens overnight. If you start trying to implement some of these things today, like you'll be in a way better spot a year or two or three years or whatever down the road, you know, just a little bit at a time is going to make a huge difference. And so for me, when we first started doing this, and, and you don't notice these he- things happening no. along the way. All of a sudden, you're just like, wow, I'm like way better at analyzing this stuff Like in the moment. Um, so that just happened for me the other day. Uh, we were at TJ Maxx doing Christmas shopping, and I want some Himalayan salt lamp nightlights for our bathrooms. <laughs> of course I do. So, so basic. We were at TJ Maxx, and guess what? They have this two-pack of Himalayan salt lamps bathroom lights. And I was like, oh, hey, I've been like wanting some of these. I should just get these. But we don't even have our bathroom done yet.
1: Uh, our bathroom doesn't even have a light in it. it-
0: well, it doesn't. Nick's <laughs> got to like rewire the plugs and stuff. So like if I bought <laughs> them, there'd be nowhere to plug them in even yet. So um, so this kind of brings, brings me to my first point, which is if I happened upon something like that, used to, I'd be like, oh, well, I was planning to buy this and now here it is in front of my face. So, like, I'm just going to buy it, obviously. And that just would have been a, and an it wouldn't unconscious have even, I was just decision. saying, and it
1: wouldn't have even been a quote, impulse purchase necessarily. Like, we've talked about that yeah. in our bathroom innovations. You've mentioned, like, yeah, I think I want to get these mm-hmm. night lamps, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, cool, that. cool, great,
0: whatever. Yeah. But this brings in this other concept of like, just in time spending and waiting until like we actually need that thing to buy it unless it's some type of um, foundational piece that's going to be hard to find another one so I'll give an example in a second but like with the with the night lights those are not that way at any point in time i can go on amazon and i can find a night light to go in our bathroom that's a himalayan salt lamp or whatever uh <laughs>
1: And you're not getting a steal of a deal.
0: No, it's, I'm, you know, if I'm going to pay the the same price within a say
1: 10, 10% range or whatever, yeah, yeah.
0: that that's nothing to like, Oh, go ahead and buy that I have to because get this I, right now. yeah, I'll never find a deal like this. Um, well, an example funny, of something that was not that way was like, I found my antique yellow couch. Yeah. love seat thingy that I really wanted and like, they're, they're hard to find. Yeah, that was in
1: an antique store. It was yeah. a good price, all that stuff. And what's funny, I was thinking about this, was that, uh, that concept of just-in-time spending. So that's actually, like, not good with certain things, right? Like, I think about, like, um, oh, a hurricane's coming, and you're just-in-time <laughs> getting your toilet paper and your milk from the grocery store, right, that they always run out mm-hmm. of, which is what everybody does, mm-hmm. is they just-in-time go get that. There are certain things that you should probably, like, not wait till yeah, just in time. You should plan you ahead and you should get those things. But it's funny because that's the stuff that we do just in time on. At the same time, we do. The buy right now. We don't do just in time for these random impulse, impulse things that we don't even use or need or are going to use anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, like, how many
0: times are you in the store and you see something that's just like total impulse? I could use and one you're of just those. Like, oh, I just randomly want that, and yeah. you buy it, and it just goes. You just put it in the closet, like you don't even. And then like a week later, you're like, oh yeah, I bought that thing. <laughs> it's just like, and I I just caught myself in the moment without even trying to catch myself i mean i like literally reached for it and was like i'm gonna put it in the buggy then i was like i'm not even ready for that yet it'll probably be like next month before i really need those i'll just wait and order them then yeah you know yep um and so it is it's just like this this will ingrain in your brain and you'll start analyzing things and you'll start you'll start using your money to do more of what matters to you yeah that's right So it's,
1: it's a, there's definitely a a certain amount of, um, being patient with yourself. Don't expect you, don't expect yourself to change overnight. Don't expect your spouse to change overnight. If you start implementing these steps now, your, you know, what do we call it? Your future self, yourself two years from now, is going to be really grateful that you did it. And that's really what it, what it comes down to, right? We, we want our future selves to be grateful. We want our future selves to like our past self.
0: self. And that brings us to
1: (laughs) stuff we like. So one thing I'm liking this uh, this week, for a lot of reasons, is this book called uh, Short Term Wealth or Short Term Rental Long Term Wealth by Avery Carl. It is all about buying rental properties specifically for short term rentals like Airbnb and VRBO. And I just really got to brag on this book because this is not a fluffy like I don't know if they self published it or what they did, but. Avery just did a phenomenal job of like not filling up a 300 page book just for the sake of it. The book is 130 pages. It is really, really tactical and helpful. This is something that Hannah and I have on our vision. We have on our vision to own a beach house, a mountain house, and a couple of other rentals over the next few years that we can rent on Airbnb uh, to you know generate cash flow. That is something we are working towards. And I came across Avery and her website, The Short-Term Shop, earlier this year and was really impressed by what her and her husband, Luke, have done and what they built and just all the education that they have. And her book just came out a couple of months ago, and I just picked it up this week and have, have just flown through it because it's so like super easy to read, really tactical, full of really good information, and really helpful to like get my sort of feet wet in how to start analyzing these properties, how to think about... Uh, what I need to do, and both on the technical side and also on the how to manage it side, and it's a fantastic sort of way to to get yourself relatively uh, aware of what's going on and educated in that world. So, if you ever thought about ever thought about Airbnb or wanting to buy a rental property for short term rentals and going down that path, I would highly recommend this book. I have really enjoyed it, and I'm excited to um, I'm excited for us to eventually hit that as part of our vision.
0: All right. You want to give us a quick summary?
1: Yeah. So I know this episode was, you know, a little bit long and there's a lot to it and it can seem probably a little bit overwhelming if this is the first time you've heard us talk through these steps. But at a a high level, I would just encourage you to keep it very simple. All we're trying to get you to do with track plan spend is to, in fact, spend your money on what matters to you. In order to do that, you first have to track it and know where you're spending your money you then need to know your plan. What does matter to you? What do you want to achieve? And then you need to come up with a, a regular habit and routine to make sure that you're actually spending your money on the things that matter to you. So first track your money, then come up with a plan, then spend your money on the plan. That's it. Hopefully this uh, episode has been helpful for you. If you would like help implementing these three steps, I really would love for you to check out Ahead in 100. Just go to aheadin100.com where you can work with me and Hannah and our other coaches to help you start using your money to do what matters. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.